Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Katherine Van Zippel, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. We hope to see you at our very first event in just two weeks. On May 20th at 5 p.m., we're gathering the Debrief community to talk about building and owning your network. Our most downloaded episodes guest, Craig Smith, will lead us through a valuable discussion. Please register on our Eventbrite page as space is limited. You can find the Eventbrite link on Instagram at devdebrief or on our LinkedIn page. Hope to see you there. This week, we have the privilege of hearing from the queen of executive search. Jill Lasman, Senior Executive Vice President at Lois Lindauer, and I talk. We toggle back and forth between the perspective of the firm and the candidate. Jill shares her thoughts on how she's placing people, what areas have become even more important in the search process, and how things have changed in the last year. Certain skills are more valuable now than ever before. Listening to this episode will give us a better appreciation of what firms are looking for in the interview process. Jill Lasman is a key force in setting the Lindauer standard for executive search. A well-known and respected national search executive, Jill has placed senior leaders and their teams in many major education, healthcare and science, arts and culture, advocacy and mission-driven institutions since joining the firm in 1998. In 2019, Jill became a partial owner of Lindauer, along with CEO Deb Taft and Senior Vice President Libby Roberts. That same year, Jill opened Lindauer's West Coast office and is based in both Los Angeles and Boston throughout the year. In addition to her track record in advancement leadership, Jill is co-leading the firm's higher education practice, having conducted presidential, CEO, and COO searches during her tenure. Prior to joining Lindauer, Jill worked for both nonprofit and for-profit organizations in the areas of recruitment, training, and database administration. She is a cum laude graduate of UCLA. Now let's get started. Jill, welcome to the debrief. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. The emails coming through from Lindauer the last couple of weeks have just been amazing. It looks like you guys are on fire. We are feeling so good about 2021 and beyond. It, we started the year with a, with a bang, as you said, and uh, we have a robust pipeline. Feels great. It's exciting. Let's start with the positive. What are the changes that you've seen that you wanna keep in the workflow of Lindauer? Yes, I'm happy to say there have been so many silver linings and positives. Uh, through this god-awful pandemic. I'll start with uh, the closer connection, the the higher touch uh, that we are seeing on both the client and candidate side. Hmm. Uh, For me personally, what I have started to do from the very first conversation when I try to lure and entice a candidate, I am asking for a face-to-face meeting. It has made a difference to have that earlier connection uh, from the get-go, even if uh, the candidate isn't right for the role or decides isn't interested in the position, it's an investment in time and having met them face-to-face 
like I said, it's just a stronger connection. I'm going to keep that as a practice. I see great value in it. We're also meeting more frequently with our clients and that feels great as well. Uh, we are not visiting campus when we launch a search. As you would imagine, what we are doing is increasing our FaceTime. Our biweekly calls with the client are all Zoom. I don't know why we didn't do that before. Um, funny. <laughs> we lose so much with a phone call, with email exchanges. Uh, the connection is, is, is better. It just seems more natural takes out any surprise factor with this frequent with the frequent interaction on the client side. Another best practice and improvement that I'm seeing is that we are leaving nothing to chance when it comes to virtual interviewing. So everything is choreographed and scripted, not to the point where it feels stiff and too formal, but we are having more in-depth and more frequent prep calls with search committees, with hiring managers, and with candidates. We make sure that if there is a group interview, everyone knows their part going into the process. We're going back to the basics too, in terms of Zoom etiquette and interview etiquette. You know, stressing something as simple as eye contact uh, making sure that the candidate knows that when you look down <laughs> off the Zoom screen, it's just that you're taking notes, you're engaged, you're not looking at the phone. Uh, so emphasizing uh, those basics has ensured uh, a better experience. It we sounds like you have more control. We do. Well, we're, we're inserting ourselves a little bit more. Like I <laughs> yeah. said, nothing is left to chance. We are planners, we are preppers. Mm -hmm. And the good news here too is that searches are accelerated. That was a nice surprise. We have always been firm believers of setting milestone dates early on in the process. But what we're finding now with virtual, you can tighten the amount of weeks between round one and round two because no one needs to travel. And weather doesn't impact travel plans. Uh, candidates uh, with careful planning are available when we need them. And this has accelerated our timelines. And then of course, lastly, I'll just add, these times have put more of an emphasis on uh, diversity recruiting uh, from the client side. So we're broadening our scope. We're looking at transferable skills. We're, we're focusing on the value add. Uh, that a diverse pool will bring. It sounds like you've been given a real opportunity. I mean, we all have, but I think especially with you, when you're working across the country, everything's been tightened. Well, silver linings. Well, let's talk more about DEI. How has your commitment to DEI changed your goals and your best practices? You, you, know, you mentioned that you're able to focus more on it, but tell us more. Absolutely. First off, I want to start by saying Lindauer has a lot has longstanding DEI expertise, which means we're not new to creating uh, diverse slates. It's always been a priority uh, for us since our founding. Uh, what we're doing is we're strengthening, we're boldening our work. We're not just beginning it. So, so for example, uh, to maintain this commitment. Our search team is going to be going through some training this year. We've also created an internal DEI work group, working group to make sure that at the team level, we're having deeper conversations as a group. 
We've also hired a DEI advisor uh, who's enhancing our anti-racism work as well. And internally, we're holding ourselves more accountable. It is starting with uh, a charge to our data team, our research team, when they build our prospect list. We're asking them to build a list that is at least 30 to 40% uh, diverse. Uh, we're tracking our metrics. We are being more intentional and focused when it comes to the actual outreach and sourcing uh, process. And we're, we're just being more data-driven overall to make sure that there is a diverse uh, pipeline of talent. We're working with our clients to minimize bias. Now, what I'm seeing is before every resume review, uh, before a search committee comes together to, to even look in the portal to see what we've uncovered, we're having sessions about minimizing bias, implicit bias training. That is new, that is important. And we're also um, making sure that we're working with our clients that interview panels, hiring panels, advisory groups are diverse as well. So that candidates see diversity on the screen when they interview. When you're trying to hit that 30 to 40% mark with the pools, have you found that that's hard to do? Or have you found that now that you're aware of it, it's actually quite natural? Well, I'll say, I'll tell you, it's natural because we've been doing it. We just haven't been as intentional or data driven. Like we're mm -hmm. just more focused on that. Why it is, to use your word hard, is because we are authentic in who we add to the list. So the charge wasn't just to find names to put on the list. Everyone on that list is on there for a reason. That is, has always been important and continues to be really important. When we put that name, when we call that individual, we're calling for a reason. It's because we heard from the client that they are looking for a certain skill set, and we believe that candidate has that skill set, has the appreciation for the mission, uh, would be a very viable candidate, and we hope they will consider or we're calling them because we have a connection and believe they know the right individual uh, to steer us to. That's a really important distinction that you're not adding names to add names. We're not meeting a quota. We're not, meeting that's, a quota. We're not picking a box. That's huge. And the reason why I ask is because I know that the markets can very much impact the level of diversity, whether you're in a you know liberal arts college in a small town that's relatively homogenous versus an urban market where there just is more diversity. So have you found that the remote environment has changed that? You know, has it been possible to mix things up? Not yet. Not yet. I was expecting more remote opportunity openness. Um, maybe it's because the positions that we're working on now are management roles. Uh, and uh, you, know, you need to be uh, down the hall from the president of the university. So there's not as much openness to remote at the moment. But your point about geographies and demographics of certain cities um, has made, you know, has made us enter into deeper conversations with our clients. And what I mean by that is that top diverse candidates 
will have incredible choices. Uh, we need to know exactly what a, what a client's commitment is to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not just words. We need to know action plans. We need to know training. We need evidence. We need data uh, to ensure that the candidate uh, coming uh, to the role uh, will feel uh, a sense of belonging and that they are really fully committed. So is a commitment to DEI an expectation that you have across the board? We, are, we will always welcome a diverse pool, but we want to ascertain that a client is truly committed to diversity and equity, that, that, that someone can be successful uh, and um, just feel like they belong um, and feel included, voice at the table, um, for all our clients. And like I said, uh, sometimes um, not all our clients are stressing it as much, but our firm is absolutely 100% committed. And what I'm getting from that is that you're talking about fit, which I think was probably a priority before COVID and will continue to be a top priority with the work that you're doing. Are you finding that people can figure that out if something's a fit through Zoom interviews? How are you helping people make those connections, not in person? There are many ways that the clients have addressed this uh, with our help uh, when, and many ways that we're building um, extra steps, I'll say extra steps into the process to ensure that by the time the candidate gets to campus, they feel that they know the people and they know what the work environment is like. It starts at the beginning with uh, at the start of a search at our listening tour. Uh, as consultants, I'd say we're speaking with more people than we ever spoke with early on in the conversation, uh, from direct reports to the search committee to alum, if it's a university, alumni, donors, trustees. We'll meet as many people as a client wants us to, but I've noticed that the number of people we're meeting it has increased, which is good because we're not coming to campus. If we don't know the players, the more the merrier. So that's one way for, as, as the extension of the client, for us to get a deeper sense of what success looks like and what it would take for someone to be successful and whether values would be aligned between candidates and clients. From the candidate's perspective, what clients are doing is they're creating virtual tours. Uh, they are creating intimate, personalized welcome videos, you know, taken in people's living rooms with dogs in their laps saying why I moved to fill in the name of the city, why I enjoy working at filling, fill in the name of the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, that creativity uh, we saw very early on and it has made a difference. And just smaller, more intimate interview settings has helped create more of a vibe as to what it would be like to work at the institution. Like I said earlier, extra steps in the process. So before COVID, we typically had a search uh, completed in three rounds, a first round, a second round, and then maybe a finalist will, would re return. Um, sometimes there's actually two rounds, first round, second round with our finalists and offer is made. Now, after the first round, we're inserting sometimes second second or third rounds, um, more interviews virtually before the top two or three candidates come to, 
come to campus. So I'm happy to say, you didn't ask, but I'll share, we are moving into a hybrid interview model. We were okay. doing 100% virtual. The hybrid has helped to answer your question, ensure that there's chemistry and a, and a click uh, with the hiring manager. So hybrid, just to be completely clear, meaning online interviews and in-person. Correct. But all, the, the in-person is typically at the end when we've narrowed it down to two or three, and it's mm -hmm. very streamlined. Right now, it is just with the hiring manager, mm -hmm. president, the vice president, whoever the hiring manager is. Maybe there's a tour of campus, separate cars done through a phone. <laughs> uh, so, you know, creative there. But I am noticing now that there's more, because more people have been vaccinated. If you're, as long as you're coming in, we'll, you know, have you meet with just a few others. I want candidates to know that safety is our number one concern and that nobody would be penalized if they cannot or don't feel comfortable taking up a client on the offer to meet in person. But I will say everyone we've offered it to at this point has said yes and really appreciated the fact that there was a in-person uh, opportunity to meet. Do you find that people are suspending relocation given the environment and all of the unknown factors? I don't, I don't. I, I should provide a little more backdrop. Relocation has always been, this is pre-COVID, 23 years, always been the trickiest part to recruiting. Even if I call you with your dream job, all the stars have to align. Your significant other needs to be willing to pick up and move. You have to have kids the right age, aging parents come into play, selling a house. It's always been tricky. COVID, we still hear the trickiness. I have not heard, well, maybe that's too strong. Maybe what I'm hearing in terms of if a candidate says, no, thank you, I can't relocate. It's still because of those reasons I just described or I love my president, I love my dean, I'm in a campaign, I've just been promoted. Candidates are relocating. There is a nice balance in, uh, that we're seeing in this, this year especially. People uh, are hiring and missions are motivating. And if, if the stars are aligning, people will move. COVID is not getting into the way. People are buying houses sight unseen in cities they've <laughs> never visited. I never thought that would happen, but it is, but it is. That's really helpful to hear. The world is continuing to turn. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Clients are being a little more lax, I would say, or relaxed about when a candidate would move. So there's a little bit um, more, you know, take your time. We understand kids still in school. Uh, some clients are putting it in the contract that by X date, we need you to be here. Mm -hmm. um, so the expectation for relocation is still there, but adjustments on start date within reason and timing of the relocation. Yeah. So what would you say are new skills that you're looking for or expecting from candidates post or during COVID? Are there new things that you're seeking? Uh, they're not new, but they're required or the emphasis is, is heavier. They okay. become more important. 
So I would say communication skills, very important. They're not new, but you know, it's more important, especially with a remote workforce that you're a strong communicator um, and you're meeting donors virtually as well. You need to be able to communicate, to be a great storyteller uh, virtually. Flexibility, really important. Adaptability, <laughs> it's uh, in order to survive, I would say. How do you um, recognize, I just wanna stop you there for a second. How can a candidate show you their ability to be adaptable? Is that through examples or can you see that in action? Well, uh, we do ask for examples. There's always those behavioral based questions, you know, tell us, tell us about a time that required you to, you know, change the way you were thinking, uh, have others persuaded you uh, to do things another way. Uh, we ask them how they're leading during COVID. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we have new yeah. COVID questions. References often back up answers as well. Mm -hmm. Speaking to direct reports and supervisors at the appropriate time. D the emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion, showing that com commitment is new demonstrated ability to build a, a team where everyone feels they belong. Empathy, really mm. important, really important um, with, with what's happening in the world and digital ease, uh, being able to be comfortable in this Zoom world that we live in. Yeah, empathy is a big one that I didn't think about, but it's so important. Absolutely. Any other changes from your perspective that you think people would be interested to know? Maybe how candidates are evaluating positions personally and professionally. We are hearing more about uh, taking inventory as to what is most important uh, as during this pandemic, getting home, being with family, you know, homecomings uh, has helped with some relocations, mm -hmm. being surrounded by nature. And I think that will exist beyond COVID as well. Being surrounded by nature as opposed to metropolitan cities has, has helped uh, certain clients in more remote uh, locations. Yeah, I will say, I don't think I could survive if I wasn't a few steps from Riverside Park. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, let's shift to talking about the candidate's perspective. We talked about the positive changes the firm will keep, but what do you think are positive changes that you've heard from candidates that they want to keep in terms of thinking about their, their own search? What have you been hearing? From the candidate's perspective, I think they, they too are appreciating the higher touch that we're, that we're emphasizing during this process because we're more virtual. You know, I mentioned earlier, I, as a recruiter, appreciate the opportunity to pitch eye to eye, you know, via right. Zoom. I think from the candidates experience, they, they appreciate it as well. We're very sensitive and here, I think empathy comes into play that candidates um, interpret silence um, as bad news. So just making sure that they are informed, that they know what's happening next, that we're communicating to them uh, frequently what is happening in the process and where their candidacy stands. I also hope that candidates know that we're being very sensitive around uh, the interview process, that we're keeping this, the committees small because it's hard to talk to boxes on a screen. 
Uh, I hope that is a practice. It's a practice we've always recommended, keep your search committees small. And I hope that's a practice that continues. It does benefit the candidate. Uh, we're building in schedules uh, with breaks, frequent breaks for our candidates in between Zooms. We're spreading out Zooms through the course of several days. As I said earlier, we're, uh, we're emphasizing safety first, and I hope candidates uh, know that as well. Sounds like everything is just more personal. Yes, I'd like to think Lindauer has been known to be, uh, because of our personal touch, we're very old fashioned in some ways that we call the people we want. We don't just send them emails, but the personalization has, I think, improved and been enhanced during the process. Mm -hmm. I agree, yes. In a past conversation, you had said to me that institutions are not standing still. And I agree with you. I mean, we're seeing amazing announcements about big gifts in the last couple of months, transformational gifts. We're seeing people announced in new leadership positions. But can you tell us more about what you meant when you said that? Yes, and I think I was, I think what I was conveying was probably when COVID hit, how people were paralyzed. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I do most of my work in the higher education space, and that's the area that <laughs> froze most quickly and dramatically. Mm -hmm. uh, what I saw quickly thereafter was a pivot, uh, a movement forward. You know, clients were adjusting to remote work. We were used to it at, at Lindauer. We were heavy users of Zoom pre-COVID. So I'd like to think we, you know, helped uh, putting a hand on a client's back and we created momentum plans, really simulating uh, the experience. Clients were asking, is this the time? Will we find the best person? And I'd, I'd like to think the answer is yes. And I think we've demonstrated the answer is yes. Towards the end of last year, especially, we saw a melt in higher ed, uh, hiring at all levels, not stopping. As you probably know, we are a firm that does only executive recruiting. We do it at all leadership level, but our roots are heavy in advancement. And to your point, you know, we saw major gift officer positions open up. Uh, we hadn't seen that earlier last year, a rebuild, uh, a refill, and donors are still giving at tremendous levels. Uh, so we move yeah. forward. Yeah. I mean, I've personally seen in my own work that there has been a, I like your term of melt, that there's been this new sense of openness from the donors right now, that there is money to be raised. Yes. Don't stop. We've learned that in every crisis and we've been through a few, none like this, but don't stop. We can't, <laughs> we can't. So what are the barriers that you're seeing for candidates? I know you had said that relocation has always been the hardest, but are there others? I would say a candidate who doesn't embrace change, uh, candidates who aren't comfortable with the digital world, you know, we were talking about major gift officers. If you don't know how to figure, if you can't figure out how to do discovery visits <laughs> virtually or close a gift virtually, there will be barriers for you. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not focused on data, we're hearing a lot more emphasis on uh, analytics, uh, AI. If, uh, if you're not ready to make your decisions based on data, 
uh, there will be there will be barriers. Um, but otherwise, we're seeing a really healthy balance between the job market market opening up and candidates ready to be drawn to missions, opportunities, uh, where leadership is strong, where values are aligned. That's great. I wanna go back to what you said about discussing DEI in the interview process very early on. Uh, the reason why I raise it is because I don't know if this is fair to say, but I don't think that in the past people have been asked those kinds of questions in the interview process, maybe not the way it's happening now. And so I would just love to hear from you examples of strong answers, if you can think of any, where for people who are listening can maybe start thinking about how they would tell their answer for that. Because I just think they probably haven't had that experience yet. Do you think that would be fair to say? I, I think you're correct that we, even in our request for an offer for a cover letter, we're asking candidates to, to talk about their, their personal journey. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think uh, good answers are genuine answers. It's okay to say, you know, there, there has been a refocusing that, but you need to not just wait for your institution to provide training. You need to self-educate. Uh, and so sharing that in an interview is really important. What are you doing? What are you doing for yourself personally? And then, and this is true for all strong interview answers, back up with data, <laughs> uh, give examples, put legs under what you say, uh, and if you can really cite some successes of hires, of process policies uh, that you've helped shape and form, or even you know, if you're in a role where you're not shaping and forming policy, but you are adhering to, give, give examples, as many examples as possible. That is so helpful. You know, I keep thinking about you using the word shaping. It, it feels like our field is being reshaped. And that's really exciting. Agreed. What do you think will be the core foundational pieces that will remain true as we reshape and regrow in the new areas, like you had said, of data and technology and everything else? What, what is evergreen for us as an industry? What I'm hearing, we've, we've been convening roundtables across the nation with, with advancement leaders. I'm hearing the positives around virtual events, for example, being able to reach donors who never showed up. Uh, attendance for board meetings has increased. Uh, there is an opportunity for major gift officers to cover larger regions and not have to sit in an airport for three hours <laughs> waiting for their, for their plane. That thinking, I think has been a game changer as, as we reshape uh, the work uh, in the future. There's, no, there's nothing that replaces the face-to-face -face meeting with a donor. People are eager to get back to that and that is, is coming soon, I'm sure. But there have been uh, opportunities to connect with people in a, in a more easy way because it's, it's a Zoom meeting as opposed to a face-to-face -face meeting. So there are advantages yeah. 
are you, I mean, you're, you're on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Are I was just going to say, you know, I cover Boston where you live, greater Boston. And I previous to going remote had never been to the Cape in person. And I have had several amazing meetings with donors who live on the Cape and I never would have met them. Great. And that's just a small example of just getting outside of the box. Absolutely. Oh, that's excellent. That's yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So like I said, silver linings. Yeah. Uh, Evergreen, I'd like to think this focus on DEI is here to stay. The the training, the the intentional mention of going into every meeting and making sure you check all your baggage <laughs> before you come to the to the to the meeting and that we're reminded of implicit bias. Well, you're making me feel so excited about 2021 and the next couple of years, the future. It just seems like there's so much opportunity to keep improving and reinventing and making things better. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing with us what you've been working on, what's been going on in the world of recruiting. I would love to end with my signature question, which is what do you know for sure? I love your question. And I may have to steal it. <laughs> it's a good interview question, right? <laughs> it's a brilliant question because these are the most uncertain times. So what can we be sure of? I am sure that automation will enter into the recruitment process. But I'm also sure that human touch needs to be the, the focus, the personalization will always be a priority for me, will always be a priority for the recruiters at Lindauer. But automation will come. And I'm all for the efficiencies that it brings because anything that saves time allows us to have a better client and candidate experience. So I will embrace it as it comes our way. I'm also uh, certain that fighting unconscious bias, creating equity in the hiring practice uh, will, should continue. I'll just end by saying what I'm sure of is also what I hope for. And that is uh, one day uh, I'll be able to go back to New York City and enjoy a Broadway show and sit in a room full of strangers and be able to enjoy what's on the stage as opposed to thinking about the person sniffling and coughing next to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is what I'm sure of. I'm sure of one day that will happen. It is what I'm hoping for as well. Well, thank you. It was really great to have you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jill, for giving us so much to consider as we think about data, communication, how we craft our stories, and moving forward into new and better positions as we look to life beyond the pandemic. Have a great week and please connect with us on social at Dev Debrief on Instagram or on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Have a good day.